and welcome to 2023. Happy New Year to you and yours. I realize it's the third day of the year, but I've been busy doing radio in other places. It's Mike Opelka, of course, on the Pure Opelka podcast. We have a busy week ahead of us. Not only the business of getting back to business today for so many people, but starting tomorrow, Wednesday through Friday, I will be guest hosting for my good friend Chris Plant on the Chris Plant Show. And I'll be posting links to it so you can tune in. It's live from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday with more appearances coming. Now we get back to business here on this day, January 3rd. It is the first day without Speaker Nancy Pelosi in a long, long time. It's officially the end of Schwanza. Nancy Pelosi gave us the designation of Schwanza. Wishing everybody happy Schwanza. It's fun to say that, isn't it? Yes, Schwanza. It doesn't exist. So we have dubbed Schwanza to be the time when Nancy Pelosi is in charge. And that ended yesterday. Yay. Now, will Kevin McCarthy take over? Will it be Kevin McCarthy's speakership that we are talking about going forward? We won't know for a while. I suspect it's going to happen late today. And a lot of people are saying, no, no, and it's not going to happen late today. I do believe It is going to happen. Here's what I think is going down. Kevin McCarthy has the support of a whole bunch of Republicans in the House, like over 200. But he needs more than that. He needs 218 to get there. And I think there are those who, like the squad, used to irritate and threaten Nancy Pelosi. I think the Never Kevin crew is going to attempt to make their voices heard by telling him they are not going to. They are not going to vote for him until they get concessions or promises, or maybe they just get heard. Now, we've been told that some of the Never Kevin people were spotted going in and out of his office last night. So I I do think this is done. I think there's a little bit of political theater, and uh, I hope the Republicans don't screw this up. That said, we'll find out later today, and we'll know tomorrow if I'm eating crow. He doesn't have the votes as I'm recording this, but we shall see. A couple of other things to keep your eyes on. And yes, there is a a lot of discussion going on about DeMar Hamlin, the uh, Buffalo Bills player who was injured seriously, may have had a heart attack. We're still waiting to get the full report. And I'm going to wait until we talk to Dr. Michael Roizen of the Cleveland Clinic. We're going to get him here tomorrow. And we'll discuss it with Dr. Roizen so you will know more in greater detail from the, um, from the perspective of a doctor at the Cleveland Clinic. DeMar Hanlon, by all accounts, by everything I've read about this kid, 24 years old, just a great human being. So we will continue to pray for him and hopefully he will recover fully. Uh, The NFL has only had one death during a game of a player. And I was watching that game. It was in 1971 when I was a kid, watching it on TV with my dad. I remember distinctly the Lions and the Bears in Detroit. 
and a guy named Chuck Hughes caught a pass and then dropped on the field. And I remember my dad saying, I think that guy's not alive. I think he's dead. And they came out and they, uh, they put a, a little oxygen mask on him to make it look like they were giving him oxygen. Remember, it's 1971. Didn't have the technology we have today. And they put him on a gurney and wheeled him off the field. And apparently he was dead when he hit the ground. So this could have been a, a similar situation that Chuck Hughes suffered in 1971, but medical technology may have kept Mr. Hamlin alive. And let's, uh, let's hope that he has a full recovery. And again, news will be breaking. I, I don't want to suppose anything here. I, I think it would be inappropriate. So we will find out. God bless him. Twitter, though, uh, behave. The best representation of Twitter that I saw was uh, last night after this was going on and people were shouting back and forth at each other. People were being rude to each other. Just uh, awful stuff going on on Twitter. Don't, don't be like those people. Twitter, last night, the best thing that we saw was Harris Faulkner from Fox who posted a photo of the young man and a beautiful prayer. And that's really the reaction. We shouldn't be jumping to all these crazy conclusions or getting mad at each other or speculating until we have facts. It's okay to ask questions. Just don't speculate, you know? Please. Uh, the other story that's uh, bubbling out there that I'm interested in, maybe you're not, apparently the Department of Justice has 400 pages. 400 pages of potentially incriminating documents that detail all of the gifts and money given to Hunter Biden and Joe Biden's brother, James Biden, from places like China and Russia and Ukraine. And will we ever get to see it? I wonder. I really wonder. I hope we will. We'll find out. Donald Trump said to be uh, getting released from Facebook jail this week, will he go back on Facebook? He has not gone back on Twitter. Instead, choosing to try and keep Truth Social the main focus of his social media presence. I think Mr. Trump will show up on Facebook. We will see. We'll find out. Uh, the war in Ukraine, the Russian war on Ukraine, appears to be taking an interesting turn as the HIMARS missiles that we gave to... Uh, the Ukrainians, the rockets, I, I got to make sure I get the right uh, military parlance here, missiles or rockets, apparently may have done serious damage, as in hundreds of Russian soldier casualties. So we are waiting to see if Russia is going to respond in a massive way. Back at home, the Idaho murder suspect, the guy who's charged with killing four college co-eds, at, uh, at Moscow, Idaho, that guy whose name I do not want to say out loud, let's just call him BK, uh, he's scheduled to be extradited back to Idaho from Pennsylvania, and uh, we'll find out more. And we'll get Wendy Patrick on that. Wendy Patrick, our attorney friend, prosecutor, is going to break it down for us. So that's a good thing. 
We're also expecting to hear more on Sam Bankman-Fried, who is expected to take a plea any moment now. And since his girlfriend has already pled guilty and she's headed to prison, we expect he's going to do the same. They're not going to be in the same prison cell, although uh, I think they should do that so they could yell at each other. Speaking of prison, are we ever going to find out the client list for Jeffrey Epstein? Are we ever going to get the full story of Jeffrey Epstein's horrible, horrible Epstein Island, the abuse of young women that he was uh, encouraging and monetizing? I, I don't know. But in the Virgin Islands, the district attorney who filed a case against J.P. Morgan Chase about the Epstein story, that district attorney was fired just a couple days after that. Is somebody protecting someone? I would like to know. A couple of things. If you're, um, if you're thinking about um, losing weight, if you're thinking that you want to be healthier this year, um, yeah, we're going to talk to Dr. Reisman. I'm talking about the, uh, the fact that uh, wanting to lose weight and making a promise to lose weight, a New Year's resolution, well, that's fatphobic. I don't know if you knew that. That's really an awful thing to do, and how dare you do that? That's a, a terrible, horrible thing to do. How do I know this? Well, I, uh, I follow the libs of TikTok on uh, Twitter. I'm not on TikTok. And one of the uh, people on, on TikTok who is apparently plus-sized, might be plus-plus-plus-sized, has announced to us that if you uh, want to lose weight, then you're fat phobic, you're bad. Generally speaking, there's three kind of big buckets of reasons why someone might engage in intentional weight loss. First is desirability, second, health, third, stigma. But at the end of the day, all of those are rooted in fat phobia in different ways. And so I don't even want to let this uh, clown tell us any more of this insane reasoning. If you are overweight, morbidly obese, as we learned during the pandemic, you are more likely to die from things like COVID. Your body performs better when you're at your suggested or ideal weight. There's nothing wrong with trying to be healthy. It's not fat phobia. It's self-care, you clown. I love it when people are stupid like this. There is some uh, hope. I, I'm full of hope, as I, I was saying the other day on the radio. I believe the pendulum is swinging back towards normal. How do I know this? Well, we're, we're having people say things that make sense. And they refute some of the dumb things that we've been told to believe. There are several states, in fact, looking to block trans surgeries on minors. How great is that? That's fantastic. And I, I also saw a, uh, a Twitter person named uh, Blair White, Ms. Blair White. I don't know who she is. She's a, a podcaster. She calls herself an influencer. But she said one of the more brilliant things that I've read in a long time, and that is that a, uh, quote, a transgender three-year-old is like a vegan cat. We all know who's making the lifestyle choices, close quote. Think about it. A transgender three-year-old. It's like a vegan cat, meaning cats can't decide that they're going to be vegan. Their natural nature is to eat meat 
to obtain their ideal weight and strength, etc. So if somebody tells you their cat is vegan, it's because they're abusing their cat. And they frankly shouldn't be allowed to have that pet. Uh, so many other stories that we're going to get to this week. Uh, we have uh, a new discussion with uh, Lauren Fix, the car coach. Jonathan Honig, the capitalist pig. You can find him at capitalistpig.com. Has uh, a take on what's going to happen in the market this year compared to last year, the worst year on record since 2008. And uh, our buddy Jim Stovall is going to kick things off with a little winner's wisdom. Jim Stovall is just um, amazing. And each week he puts out the winner's wisdom column. So I'm going to flip into um, interview mode here and let's get Jim Stovall here to get things going in uh, 2023. Happy New Year to you and yours. A lot to get done on the Pure Opelka podcast. Kicking off the uh, new year with a little winner's wisdom. And I'm going to correct myself right there. It's kicking off the new year with a lot of winner's wisdom. Every week I am blessed to talk to my friend Jim Stovall, author, inventor, philanthropist, the guy behind the winner's wisdom column that's out there every week at jimstovall.com. You have to get it. Jim is joining us today to get our first dose of winner's wisdom and uh, Jim, as we step into 2023, I looked at the title, Controlling Criticism, and I said, boy, oh boy, did a lot of us pick up a lot of criticism over the holidays. I can't wait for this one. Welcome, my friend. Well, thank you, and Happy New Year to you and uh, everyone listening. I, you know, I've always felt that, uh, you know, we spend so much of our time, effort, and energy worrying about what everybody else thinks, when in reality, the only opinion of us that matters is the one that we have of ourselves. And uh, my late great friend Brian Klemmer uh, said and wrote many times in his books, uh, your opinion of me is none of my business. It really has nothing to do with me. And, you know, but now with social media and all the things out there, you know, we the bane of any existence is comparison, and social media is like uh, watching your outtakes compared to watching everybody else's <laughs> highlight reel. And and it just, you know, the, they're living lifestyles of the rich and famous, and you're struggling to get out of bed, and, you know, and that's not real. That's no more real than reality TV is real. And, uh, you know, and I, I think it's really important that you control criticism. Now, there there's criticism that is helpful, but, boy, it, it it is rare these days. And, you know, when someone is critical of you or something you've said or done, you need to ask, you know, who is saying this, why are they saying this, and what can I get out of this? And in many cases, it is nothing. Just flush, delete, move on, because this has nothing to do with you. And I, I loved a couple of characterizations in there that social media it ain't real. It's as real as reality TV, as Jim said. But more importantly, when you look at criticism on social media, it really is your blooper reel when everybody else mm -hmm. is taking their highlight reel there. Uh, that one should stick in people's minds. If, if you are obsessed with social media and you get bent out of shape about criticism on social media, uh, you have to adopt the the thinking that it's not real. And most of those people you don't know, Jim, 
criticism is has a place in our lives, but I believe it has to come from a position of love. Someone has to love you before they can truly give you criticism that will help you. Yeah, I, and, and you got to be careful. I mean, I, I was at a family gathering over the holidays, and I, I asked a. Uh, and, and well, their in-laws. This was an outlaw, I think, across the table. Would you would you hand me the uh, sweet potatoes there? And he says, "Where are you at on the Speaker of the House vote?" <laughs> and I said, "Well, um, hand me the potatoes first, and then we'll go into that because I, I it, it seemed somewhat conditional. But you know, in criticism, even you know, I've had nine of my books turned into movies, and uh, wow, you go through the criticism deal, and." Uh, you know, and uh, you know, and you realize at best, at the very best, critics are just one person's opinion. I I've written over fifty books, and people write me all the time. Would you look at my book and give me your opinion, or write a forward for my book? And I try to help as many people as I can. But I always tell them, look, I'm a reader. I'm a voracious reader. Thanks to high speed compressed digital audio, I read a book every day. But I tell them I'm nothing more than another reader. I. When I first got into the movie business, Mike, I, I started studying great films of all time, and then I looked back on this list of the greatest films of the 20th century, and everybody said, Orson Welles, Citizen Kane, greatest movie ever made. Well, we have a small theater there at Narrative Television, and I thought, I'll just screen this thing. And the first attempt, I made it 20 minutes into the movie and quit, and then later I made it halfway through, and then just out of sheer determination for nothing more than I said I was going to do it, I'm going to finish it. And I did, but I... You know, you know, it may be the greatest movie, according to some people, and apparently it is. You know, and I, I'm a huge fan of Orson Welles, his uh, Third Man or The Stranger. Those are some great, great films. But uh, Citizen Kane, I don't even understand it. I don't even know why is this the greatest film of all time. And maybe it is. And, uh, you know, somewhere there's somebody that doesn't like pizza and chocolate, I, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, that's their opinion. But, uh, you know, I think we need to realize that... Uh, this really has nothing to do with us, and as much as we can, just let it go by. Unless someone comes to you with a real constructive angle, criticism is nothing more than static in our world. I, I love that thought, that criticism, unless it has a, a positive direction to it, is nothing more than static. But more importantly, Jim Stovall, years into our radio friendship here, I now have an even greater respect for you because... I have for years said, Citizen Kane, meh, I don't get it. Mm -hmm. There are so many other films that occupy such a higher spot on my list of greatest films. So I, uh, I so appreciate you. And people, people will stare at me and go, yeah, but what about the, 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 the opening scene, the, the, the glass snow globe falling out of his hand. No, I don't care. It's not that good. It's boring. It's slow. It's, it's, not, it's nowhere near Casablanca. It's not close to Raging Bull. Don't even get me started. Caddyshack is more entertaining to me. But that's me. And that's oh, yeah, I, I think Wells could have used Rodney in, in that film. It would have helped. <laughs> if Rodney had played Charles Foster Kane, it would have yeah. been a greater film, I guarantee you. Uh, Jim Stovall is, uh, is just a gem every week with us. We talk about his Winner's Wisdom column. I encourage you to find Jim. Go to jimstovall.com. Make sure you get it in your mailbox every week, and then we break it down for you wherever I am on the radio or on the podcast. My friend, I hope this new year is just overstuffed 
with goodness and fun for us. And let's do this again next week. I will look forward to it, my friend. Thank you, Jim Stovall. Great stuff. Uh, why don't we just keep it going? The last year, 2022, uh, was a bad year if you were an investor, the worst year since 2008. And so my friend Jonathan Honig, capitalist pig, is going to dole out some of his wisdom, his knowledge, next on the Pure Opelka podcast. Well, with the new year, I believe comes new hope. But hope is not something you can just wander towards or kind of blindly go towards. I think it also requires you be filled with smarts and as much information as possible so that whatever you're hoping for can actually become a reality. And when we talk about money and finances and understanding what's going on in our economy and the markets, I, I turn to my friend Jonathan Honig, who you've seen on Fox and Fox Business, and he is uh, capitalistpig.com. You should go there. You should also follow him on Twitter because it's just great stuff on Twitter. And he's joining us today to talk about uh, the future and maybe a little bit about the past. Jonathan, Happy New Year. Welcome. It's been, Mike, great to be with you. Happy New Year. And I have to say, I hope 2023 is a little bit better for the markets and for the economy, certainly for the markets in 2022 was and we talked a lot over the year and i'm still smarting over the shellacking that you know all of us got as investors in 2022 yeah 2022 was not a good one for uh, those of us who would shudder every time the 401k envelope or the investment envelope showed up in the mail but um jonathan i know a lot of people said it was the worst year since 2008 but if we is that fair is what I want to ask you. Shouldn't we say let's look at 10 years or let's look at five years and make an assessment well, yeah. that way? Sure. You can never look at the markets long, uh, short term, Mike, and I would never bet against America long term. But no, no. I mean, that fact is actually that stat is correct. I mean, last year was the biggest evaporation of wealth and financial markets since the global financial crisis in 2008, 2009. And in fact, in many ways, it was actually worse because Last year, you lost money even if you were so-called diversified. You lost money in stocks, and you lost money even in good old safe American Treasury bonds. So you, everyone, in effect, lost money last year. And the real culprit, Mike, and you know, looking now forward to 2023 and what happens this year, I mean, the real culprit in 2022 was inflation. You know, at the beginning of the year last year, the Federal Reserve wasn't even expecting any inflation. It wasn't even on their radar screen, of course. By the end of the year, they had raised interest rates by a historic more than 4%. And that's really still going to be the test in, in terms of what comes forward in 2023. Inflation was the number one enemy of the Gerald Ford and, and the Jimmy Carter in the 70s. And it's going to be the number one enemy of uh, President Biden and whoever succeeds him in 2024 as the next president of this country. Yeah, the inflation situation, which we're now being told it's slowing down, but it's still um, at last check, it was over 7%. 7.1% year over year, the November cost increase, uh, 2022 versus 21, was like $700 plus per month. Um, does this, Jonathan, are there any indicators to say that inflation is going to slow down to where we're actually making progress with uh, pay raises? Well, I mean, that's the point to keep in mind. I mean, yes, uh, first of all, Mike, the important thing to keep in mind is, you know, this inflation is from D.C. This is not something that private enterprise can do. This isn't just greedy businesses jacking up prices. I mean, 
you know, we've seen this reverberate basically since the global financial crisis, excuse me, since the, since the, the pandemic, all the spending, all the paycheck protection, all the stimulus that came along with the spending, you know, we're paying for that now. And what's so dis- disconcerting is, you know, we look forward is, is that we're not seeing any secession to that spending. I mean, government's passing more and more spending bills, trillion plus dollar spending bills. So, you know, as someone who invests for a living over at capitalistpig.com, you know, you don't really see an end to it. As you said, you see a slowing of inflation, but unless our listeners got a 8% uh, you know, uh, raise in, in their wages last year, they're losing money. And most people did not. You know, wages are only increasing maybe 5%. As you said, inflation is still at 7 plus percent. People are losing money in this economy. Yeah, I, I know I feel it. And uh, I know that, as you pointed out, the government spending isn't slowing down. And so that's really the key. It's It's our economy, which drives the world economy, and the spending that we are, the money we're printing, which makes our money less valuable, that's driving it. It's not necessarily a war in Ukraine from Russia. It's not necessarily China that's driving it. It's our own habits that are causing this. Yeah, well, it's our own spending. And in fact, you know, we're not learning from history, Mike. You know, back in the 1970s, you know, Nixon tried price controls. There's been talk in the Biden administration of that you know, uh, increased regulation. And it wasn't until Carter ultimately not only cut spending, but deregulated the economy roughly 10 years later. And, you know, looking forward now into 2023, look, I invest for a living. I do think there's going to be to make money. But I think just like in the 1970s, you're going to have to be a little more agile. You're going to have to look off the radar screen. I mean, some of the big names that were winners in 2022, Mike, were the commodity-related names. I think, you know, in 2023, you're going to be able to make money in places like gold and soybeans and even some of the agricultural and the, and the energy-oriented commodities as the inflation might lull, but I don't think it goes away. And in fact, I think given what's happening in D.C., it could, you know, rear up and spike once again. That's not good. I'm not happy about that. Are, are there world events that could make a significant impact in a positive or negative way? For example, Jonathan, I, I'm monitoring the Russian-Ukrainian war with Russia's attack, and I'm also reading everything saying, oh, Putin's not healthy, he's not healthy. Vladimir Putin drops dead from whatever cancer he's got, and that war suddenly becomes um, a non-issue. Is that going to alter the um, the global economy and thus our economy? Sure, Mike. The real lesson, I think, from, from Russia and from China is that the more free an economy, the more successful. I mean, China and people worried about China and Russia's economy uh, overtaking the U.S., these are very poor economies. And in fact, the more authoritarian they both become, certainly in China and Russia, the weaker their markets have become. I mean, Russia completely investment-free, uh, money is pouring out of China. It's, it's become more authoritative and authoritarian. So, um, you know, war is bad for all. It's bad for the global economy. Of course, sometimes it's necessary. But I think any change in leadership in, in Beijing or in Moscow, any move towards freedom, liberalization, I mean, you know, Mike, that, that was really the, you know, the renaissance in China, if you will, came around the turn of the century when they were loosening up their economy, freeing up their people. And the more authoritative they got, the more authoritarian, the worse the economies become. So, you know, I'm still betting on America. I mean, despite the fact I think we're in for you know, some rocky roads, the innovation's still here, the entrepreneurship is still here, that American uh, uh, Horatio Algar spirit is still here. So I, 
as I said, I think we could be in for a recession in the first part of 2023, but I would never bet America. Certainly, we're the freest country in the history of mankind and will be the most successful economy because of it. And, and we're talking with Jonathan Honig, CapitalistPig.com, and he's great on, on when you see him on Fox Business. He's great wherever you see him on TV. Jonathan, you also write that America is the most moral country. And uh, I love that statement. And I, I just want you to explain that to people because I believe it. I believe we are the most moral country. Where do you see that coming from? I mean, every other country in the history of, of the world, Mike, I mean, you were born with an obligation to serve, you know, the, the Fuhrer or the God or the master or the king or the, you know, the, the tribal leader, the chief, you know, America was in the world. I said, no, wait, you know, your life belongs to you. When we talk about life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, it's your life, your liberty, your happiness. And, you know, that includes the happiness to pursue your material passion, to go out, to start a business, to, to, to invent a job, to hire a company. And it's so frustrating, Mike, in our, you know, in our economy now, in our country, you know, it's entrepreneurs, big and small, that are vilified. You know, the so-called rich, screwing the, the poor. I mean, these are... The, you know, the great men and women who make this country, who create the jobs, who create the innovation and wealth, and uh, they are the ones who should be celebrated. So, no, the, this really, you know, the American dream is not dead. I think it's still alive. It still thrives. We just have to remember what is that individualism, that freedom to make of your life what you will. And, boy, I mean, when you look at the technology, Mike, even that's been invented in the last few years, you, you, you have to admire that can-do spirit that still exists in this great country and I think always will. I love that thinking. Um, Jonathan, before I let you go, the cryptocurrency world, which has taken such a pounding in the last 15 months, uh, not all of it related to the um, Sam Bankman-Fried mess and the FTX mess. Is crypto still viable in the in your mind? I, I know you've never been a giant fan of it, but is there still something there? I, I'll remind you and our audience, you know, it was, as you said, a year, year and a half ago when crypto and flying high. And, you know, our advice back then was take this opportunity to pay off your debt, start living beneath your means, to put some money off the table, because so much of that has evaporated and truly trillions and trillions of dollars of wealth. And, you know, just to get a sense of the problem with losses as massive as Bitcoin is now even at 16000 for it to get back up to where it was even a year, year and a half ago, the asset has to go up 100% plus. So, you know, what worries me is, you know, I think not un what's going to happen. It's not unlike so many of the stocks in, in the early part of the 2000s. Bitcoin and crypto might, it not, might not go away, but I simply don't think you're going to see those types of eye-popping returns that you had seen previously. You know, as they say, the, the thrill is gone. The market's moving on to other areas and other areas that it's favoring. And the thing about Bitcoin, I'll quickly just say, is all those uses, like they told us it was going to be for you know, buying Teslas and buying sports tickets and tipping people. It seems like all those actual uses for crypto really never panned out. It simply simply was a speculation tool for so long. So I'm not a hater, but I think that in terms of the investment potential, you're probably going to be better off in stocks and even maybe some other assets in the next couple of years. Well, it's like my late father used to say, um, they're not making any more land, so it would never hurt mm -hmm. to get a little slice of the earth, which which uh, I still encourage people. Well, sure. Well, I'll, I'll throw you one, and this is not investment advice, but just one idea that I'm looking at over at CapitalsPig.com, Mike. It's a, the ticker symbol is DBA. That's David Boy Alabama, DBA. 
It's actually a fund that invests in agricultural commodities like corn, soybeans, and wheat. Now, there's always risk. You know, there's, there's fees involved. So you always want to do your own due diligence. But I think that's the type of kind of off-the-radar screen idea that's going to make money in 2023. Things related to, to commodities, uh, even some of the more obscure ones, DBA is one that I do own at Capitals Pig. And again, I think uh, with some proper investigation could make you money in 2023. Do your homework, people. That's what it's all about. And make your decisions based on facts and not feelings. Jonathan Honig is uh, just a joy to have on anytime. Go to capitalistpig.com or follow Jonathan on social media, which you should do anyway. My friend, uh, let's make it a great year. Thanks for helping kick it off. Thank you, Mike. And we'll talk soon. 